and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. This morning we're going to talk about, um, as we finished the last few weeks on the end times. How many enjoyed that series on the end times? You believe we're in the end times? If you don't, you got to pull your head out of the sand, okay? Because we are in the end times. The Bible does say that in the last days there will be great earthquakes, there will be famines, there will be destruction, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Every day in the newspaper, every day on the internet, wherever you get your news from, there's something happening. And yes, you might say, well, Pastor Rick, those things have always happened. But not in the frequency that we've had, not in the type of destruction that we've had. For example, the earthquakes, and I mentioned, or the hurricanes in Texas, they were saying that the waters were of biblical proportions. Not my words, that's what they were saying, the newscasters and those people that were there. So again, these are things that are occurring now and here today. We're under the threat of war from North Korea. Uh, Every day, the United States is provoking them or they're provoking us. How many know that's going on right now? And we're one moment, one trigger away from the beginning of a war. That's all it's going to take, people, is somebody pulling a trigger and it's going to begin a war. These are all signs of the times. But the great news is, as a believer, you have no reason to fear. How many know that? As a believer... These are all just signs for you that you're one day closer. You're one hour closer. You're one minute closer. You're one second closer to his coming. Not even that. You you don't know if you have tomorrow promise. None of us do. You do today what you can. You live to the best uh, that you can because tomorrow none of us have that promise. Amen? Amen. None of us. So so what I want to talk to you about now that we've concluded that series on the end times What do we do in the meantime? So the title of this sermon is, Are You Willing to Wait for God? Are you willing to wait for God? Amen? Somebody had declared, and how many heard about this yesterday? Yesterday was supposed to be the end of the world, right? Raise your hand if you had heard about that. September 23rd was supposed to be the end of the world. Again, another date setter, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but this is like the 18th time I've survived the end of the world, okay? I I need to make a t-shirt that says, I survived the end of the world 18x times, right? I'll, I'll, I'll go into business with you and we'll do that, all right? But here's the thing. Anybody that sets a date and a time, mark that person as a false prophet. It's very simple that according to the word of God, it says that no man, everybody say no man. That means you and I, or woman, man, child, no man knows the hour nor the day. So why this person thinks that they can come up with some date code based on what they read in the Old Testament, based on what they found in the pyramids, and on and on and on, all this nonsense, and proclaim that September 23rd is the last day, it just goes to show you that that there are errors out there. There are hoaxes out there. The devil uses these people. And here's what happens. This is what gets me upset and ticked off is because these people now give Christianity a bad name. There's people, unbelievers, maybe agnostics, people that are on the fence. They're, well, I don't know. And then this guy comes along 
and it makes up the mind for that unbeliever. They say, oh, forget it. These guys are all wackos. They're all quackos. They, they don't know what's going on. Predicting another date? And that's what happens with unbelievers. They look at those people and they think, all you Christians are the same. We're not. Amen? We're not. And so what I want to speak to you today is, what are we to do in the meantime here? How are we supposed to live with the knowledge that Christ could come back at any moment. If you'll stand with me this morning, I want to read our text uh, this morning found in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. I'm going to read, this is the King James version that I have up here for you. And it's up on the screen as well as your outline. But it, it says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. How many love that scripture? Amen. Now, there's different ways of, of, of waiting on the Lord. Uh, there's times to wait and, and be still. And, and you're in a prayerful mode. And that's, that's partly applied here. But what I want to talk to you about here today is, what are we doing between now and the time of the Lord's coming? What are we going to do? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that it endures forever. It is unchanging, Lord. What you said yesterday is the same today, and it will mean the same thing forever. And Lord, your word declares that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so, Father, I pray not only that verse, but the rest of that verse, Lord, would come and be fulfilled in each of our lives as we learn how to wait on you, Father. So we pray for, uh, Lord, the ability to understand through your Holy Spirit what the word of God says today. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Look at your neighbor and tell him God is good and you may be seated. God is good. Amen. So let me ask you, are you willing to wait today for God? Are you willing to wait today for God? And I have three quick points today. I'm, I, I won't take a long time here today. Uh, no worries because the Niners already played. The Raiders are playing later tonight, so you're not going to miss any football. All right? But today's question is, are you willing to wait for God? You know, most of us hate to wait. Who loves to go to the DMV? Anybody here? You're, 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 you like torture, don't you, if you like to go to the DMV? Anybody go to the DMV and not have to wait? doesn't happen. Even with an appointment, you still got to wait. Anybody go to the post office anymore? Stand in line? Oh, that's the, probably the second worst spot. Go to the post office. The lines don't move. The people there have terrible attitudes, just the same as the DMV. I'm sorry if you work at those places, but you better shape up those attitudes at the post office because at least smile, right? But most of us don't like to wait. And we're reminded just real briefly, it's not part of uh, my text here, but remember the story of Joseph? How he was imprisoned as a young man. Potiphar's wife claimed that he was starting to take advantage of her. And, of course, Potiphar being the, 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 the leader of the land, he had him thrown into jail, right, in prison, where he languished, the Bible says, for, for a few years. And then at the end of the story, he became the most powerful person on earth or in the land of Egypt next to Pharaoh. From a slave in prison to the most powerful man in Egypt. Now, we, we look at that story and we think, well, 
is, is in hindsight, we look at it, well, you know, like Joseph knew the whole thing, like, it's all right. No, Joseph didn't know what was going on, just like you and I don't know what's going on sometimes. Sometimes we have to wait and go through that trial. Everybody say, go through that trial. Go through that trial. Did you hear that? You're going through it. It didn't say you're stopped in the middle of that trial. It says you're going through that trial. Uh, it just reminded me, too, when I go through tunnels, I hate going through tunnels, right? Because I'm starting to get claustrophobic as I get older. Now that I hit 39 years of age, you know, I, I start to get claustrophobic. And, and I'm going through a tunnel, you know, driving. I'm talking about driving through a tunnel. And I'm going, Lord, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And so I step on the gas and go faster through that tunnel. Anybody relate to that? No? I'm the only one, I guess. Okay. I'm the only one. So we, 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 we hate waiting. My point is I hate being in that tunnel waiting, you know, especially if it's a long tunnel. I hate waiting. Sometimes we have to wait. We find ourselves in a situation that, of uncomfortableness, of not being comfortable, Amen. You, you find yourself in a place where you're, you're having to wait and there seems to be no way out. But remember, you're going through a situation, amen? Now, Joseph, he had no inside knowledge of that eventually he would be the leader of Egypt. He had no reason to even think that other than his faith that with God all things were possible, amen? Remember, he had faith in, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And he believed in that wholeheartedly. He had faith that God would bring him out of that. Amen? Amen. So what I'm trying to tell you is that waiting can be extremely hard. It's one of the hardest disciplines for anybody, including a believer. Waiting. And I'm talking about waiting. Because who here has patience? You have As we get older, is this true? Anybody here that's retired? That patience level starts to go like this? Is that, is that just me or is that... Is that what happens? It's just me, huh, again. It's just me today. I, I've seen that my patience level starts to go like this, where I used to have a lot of patience. Now it's like, wow, I don't have patience like I used to have. And, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's God's way of telling us, life is short now. I don't have time to waste on those piddly things that uh, don't mean anything. Amen? So, so again, most of us hate to wait. And, and, and most of us need more patience, right? Amen. Some of us here today, maybe like last night, we went to a, uh, see this comic here in Vallejo, a comedian, a Christian comedian. His name is John Chris. I took my whole family there. It was packed out. I don't know, maybe 500 people there. It was packed house. It was great. But we got there at 7 o'clock. It was already half full. And it, that's when the doors opened. And it was half full, and so the show started promptly at 8 o'clock, but we're waiting, it's filling up, we're starting to get claustrophobic because people are coming around us, and it's getting warm in there. This is at the Empress Theater, downtown Vallejo, and, but it was anticipation. We, Raquel and I had heard him at a conference that I took her to in May in Sacramento, and he's a funny guy. And he was hilarious last night. It was well worth it. We had a great time. But the anticipation was building up of just sitting there waiting. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait. You ever been there where you're, not, you're waiting for something to happen? Maybe some of you are waiting for those grades to improve today. Maybe some of you are waiting to graduate from school. Maybe some of you are waiting to be accepted to college possibly. 
waiting to see if that bank will give you a loan, right? Or refinance your loan. Maybe you're waiting for the right time to start a family. Maybe you're waiting for your loved ones to come to Christ. Maybe you're waiting to meet the right man or the right woman. Waiting to be married. Waiting to find out what God wants for you in your life at this point. Maybe you're waiting to buy a house. Maybe you're waiting for your prayers to be answered. Maybe you're waiting for your daughter, your son to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're waiting in line at the DMV. Or worse, you're waiting in line at Walmart. <laughs> Nothing worse than waiting in line at Walmart, okay? Because you've got to wait in line and you've got to put up with the characters that are in line with you. But have you ever thought of that? They're saying the same thing about you. Anyways, you know, here's another example of us waiting. Football fans here, raise your hand if you like football. I know, I know some of you like football here. Come on, don't lie. So, yes, exactly. We like football, right? But do you know the average football game is a minimum three hours? Three hours. But they've deduced how much action there is. You know how much of that three-hour telecast contains the action? It's reduced down to 11 minutes of action. 11 minutes in three hours. But we sit there for three hours. So you're going, well, what are you doing the rest of the time? Right? You wives that are, your husbands like to watch football. You mean you're just sitting there watching nothing? Yes. They're watching nothing. You know what they're watching? This is what they're watching. They're watching 60 minutes of commercials. They're watching 75 minutes when the players are just standing around. 17 minutes for replays. And then countless other minutes where the announcers are just talking to each other in the booth. And then you got the 11 minutes of action. Right? We're just waiting for the action. And that's kind of a snapshot of life. We're just waiting for action to take place. Much of life is waiting. And action is short. Right? If you, right now you're thinking of, oh yeah, when I, when I had my children, when I bought a house, when I bought a car, I was dreaming of it, saving up for it, and then all of a sudden it happened. It took 20 minutes to sign a paper. It took an hour to sign a paper, right? It occurred really quick. Much of waiting is, is the process, but the actual action takes very few minutes. Amen? Here, here's, a, here's again what I wanted to mention. The action of life is small, the waiting is large. The actual action of life is large. It's small, excuse me. The waiting is large. We all will spend time waiting today. Some of you will go out to lunch after, after church service today, and you're going to wait. Especially if you go to Olive Garden. There's always a wait. There's always a wait. We will all wait for something. Number one, I want to talk to you about three quick points. What do we do, or how should we approach that waiting period? So number one on your outline is be faithful. Be faithful. Sometimes there's certain things. Have you ever been in a place where you don't know what to do? And so what I, what I do is sometimes I, I just stick to what I know, right? Sometimes in an unknown situation, you stick to what you know or what you were trained to do. Because many of you may be exposed to a situation where, I don't know what to do. Well, what do you know to do? Do that. Be faithful in what you know to do. Does that make sense? Amen. You be faithful. 
The secret of your future is found in your daily routine. You get on up every morning. You praise him. You seek him. You begin to read the word of God. You, you read a, a, a chapter a day, two chapters, whatever it is that you do, continue to be faithful in that. Amen? Yeah. That's how you start off. The things you do every day, especially the little things, make up the routine of life. Every day, as you do those things, they become a routine thing, just as much as brushing your teeth. Did you brush your teeth this morning? I hope so. And if you did, there's no reason why you couldn't have got down on your knees or sat down and prayed or read or listened to the Word of God. It comes in so many forms nowadays. It's available to all of us, right? Here's what the Scripture says in Ecclesiastes. It says this in chapter 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. That is something that we know to do. You know, I, I was taught, my, my parents always taught us, when you do something, do it with excellence. Do it to the best of your ability. Amen? Don't do it halfway. Do it all the way. Do it all the way. Do it the best you can. Right, Reuben? Right, Irene? That's how they taught us. And, and that still is ingrained into us. No matter how old we get, you can't escape that. That's part of the fabric. And that's what we teach our children, right? We teach them, do something, do it right. And you know why I must do this as a believer? Because I represent Jesus Christ wherever I go. Any of you here still work? You go to work tomorrow? It doesn't matter even if you don't work. If you're retired, you represent Jesus Christ wherever you go. They're going to look at you and they're going to look at the way you work and say, that's how a Christian works? That's what a Christian does? Because remember, you're representing Christ wherever you go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Represent Him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Faithfulness is its own reward. Faithfulness is its own reward. There's something that happens. There's a powerful dynamic that happens when we remain faithful to God and to His Word. Amen? I don't know about you, but when my children are faithful in the things that I ask them to do, I'm very happy. I'm a very happy man. My patience level is great, right? When I ask them, hey, did you get those chores done? And we get home and those chores aren't done. I'm not happy, right? My patience level sinks down because it's like, that was a simple task. Why isn't it done, right? Any parents know what I'm talking about this morning, right? God, in the same way, is so pleased when you are faithful. The little things, I'm talking about the little things, getting up in the morning. If that means getting up earlier, get up earlier. Get on your knees. Open up a podcast on your, on your phone, on the internet. Uh, read your word. There's so many ways to get in touch with the word of God. Amen? Yeah. <clears throat> so here's a question for you this morning. Will you be faithful where you are even when life seems to make no sense. You may be at a place where, well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm about to face. But my question is, will you be faithful where you're at? Will you be faithful today where you're at? Even when life seems to make no sense. Sometimes we may feel, well, Pastor Rick, if I was in a better place, 
See, if, if I had more time, if my, if my job circumstance was different, if my home life circumstance was different, if my husband understood better, if my wife understood better, if my children were a little bit more reasonable, or if I had a, a job that, that paid me a little bit more, I'd be a little bit happier. Or you fill in the blank, right? We, we're so good at making excuses, aren't we? We're very good at making excuses. We say, well, Pastor Ray, we, you don't understand. But the Lord wants you to serve him exactly where you're at. Exactly right where you're at. Amen? Amen. There's nothing except your enemy, Satan, as Anna said this morning, who goes around to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. He's the only one that will try to prevent you from where you're at to serving God. Amen? God wants you to serve him exactly where you're at. Wherever you're at in life, whatever trial you're facing, he wants you to serve him. Amen? So number two, be ready. How many are ready today? Amen? Are you ready for the Lord's coming? Are you ready? Are you ready to serve God right where you're at? Are you ready to say, Lord, I'm here. I have nothing. I'm stripped of everything. I have no pride, no humility, nothing in my life. I'm yours, though. Are you, can you say that today? Because that's what God wants. He's saying, I'm looking for a servant, somebody that's just hungry to serve me, to walk with me. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants this morning. It's not about having a better income or driving a better car or having a better business or having a better wife or husband or a better car, none of a better home, better community to live in. If I only lived at Blackhawk in Danville, everything would be great. How many know where that's at, right? It's not like that. God uses you right where you're at. Amen? God uses you right where you're at. Colossians chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 4 and verse 2 says the following. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So one of the ways to be ready is to devote, devote yourself to prayer. Devoting yourself to prayer. That means that if you have a regular time of prayer, don't let anything get in the way of that. Push those other things away and stick to that prayer time. If you have a regular time of reading the Word of God, don't let anything else, if you got company over, tell them, you know what, can you hang right here for 20 minutes? i got to go read the Word of God. They're going to really understand right away who you are and what's more important, right? I'm serious. I'm not playing. Sometimes you need to do things like that to let them know, okay, this is their special time, and they, they are devoted to God. So devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And in all things, the Bible is reminding us to, to be alert, be sober-minded, and have an attitude of thanksgiving, Lord Help me to be thankful. Are you thankful every day when you get up? Do you say, Lord, thank you for another day? Uh, one of the first things I say every morning, even before I say, good morning, Anna. Good morning, beautiful. Good morning, honey. Before I say any of that, I say, thank you, Lord, for another day. Because who knows? God could take me my sleep. We've all had people that have gone in their sleep. And I thank him every day for another day. Amen. Point number three is be bold. Amen? Be bold. What do you think of when you hear that word, that expression? Be bold. 
That means the opposite of that is to be timid, to sit back and not say anything. Uh, I look out here and I see people that right away are bold. I, I know people here that are bold and others that would kind of hold back. But the Bible, the Word of God, our God wants us to be bold. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3.12, let me read the scripture, says, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. Now, boldness only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not your boldness. It's not talking about Wayne's boldness or Irene's boldness that they have. It's talking about the, the boldness that you have when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak into someone's life. Amen? Yeah. You ever have anybody come up to you and speak words that you know came directly from God? You ever have anybody pray for you that you know at that moment only God knew what was going on? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that boldness. I'm not talking about, you know, man's or humanity's type of boldness. I'm talking about having a, a bold hope in your God that he can work through you, speak through you to somebody else. Amen? Amen. Because life is too short. Life is too short. And, and again, I, I will never preach uh, fear to you. I don't ever want to preach fear to you, nor, nor did our late brother Ed ever preach fear to you. But what I do want you to know is be alert, be sober-minded, be thankful, be ready. Yeah. Amen? Be ready. Be ready. Someone once said the following, you don't get to choose how you're going to die or when. You only get to choose how you're going to live now. Let me repeat that again so that it sinks in, okay? You don't get to choose how you're going to die or when. That is truth. Here's some more truth. You only get to choose how you're going to live now. You have that power and that ability how to live today. You have that power. Nobody else has that power. Your, 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 your neighbor doesn't give you that power. You have that power to make decisions for your life. Amen? Amen. For that reason, and because of the series we just went through, we see the end times approaching. We must take advantage of the time we have. I, I often say here, we each have 86,400 seconds every day, right? So many seconds are in a 24-hour day. And none of you have one more second or one second less how are you taking advantage of that day? Are, are you going, when you're going off to places, are you letting your light shine? Are you, are you the salt and light of this earth wherever you go? Um, uh, do, you, do you wear, do you have a, a Christian bumper sticker on your car? I don't know that you do. Are you living that Christian bumper sticker lifestyle? Or are you cutting people off and giving them that one finger salute on Monday through Friday, right? Oh God, hope not. Amen. The, the, the drawing of the Lord is near. We must be bold now. There's no time for tiptoeing through the tulips anymore. There's no time for holding back and saying, uh, oh, maybe later, maybe mañana, maybe tomorrow. There's no more time for that. Today, today is the day of salvation. None of us have tomorrow promised. That person you're witnessing to may not have tomorrow promised. We, we had a text yesterday from our family in Napa, um, the Foothill family in Napa. And um, one of the women there, uh, some of you know her, her name is Monica. Uh, her husband, Nick, um, 
his brother and I believe it was his wife were killed yesterday in an auto accident. I don't know where it occurred. I don't know that they're from this area, but they were killed in a tragic accident. They did not wake up, and I can promise you this right now. I can promise you this. They did not wake up yesterday thinking it was going to be their last day. They did not wake up thinking that. But you and I, we don't know either. The Bible says no man knows the day of their, of their passing, of when the, when the Lord will take them home. But you have the advantage today to make life happen. You have the advantage today to make it count. Amen? Be bold. Amen? Be bold for Christ, for His sake. Amen? So again, because the, the time is drawing near for the return of the Lord, we must be bold in our speech and in our actions. Be bold in our speech and in our actions. Amen? Amen. And as I close this morning, I want you to say this with me. Go and do it now. Go and do it now. Go and do it now. The things that you've said, well, I'll do that someday. You know, I'm talking about the things of God, the spiritual things. If you've ever said, oh, I'll get baptized someday. We had a beautiful baptism last week. Beautiful baptism. Now, baptism doesn't save you. It's just a, it, it, you identify with Christ in the, in the waters of baptism. That's all that baptism represents. It's much like my f- wedding f- uh, ring that I have here on my finger. It's, it's a symbol that I married. That's what baptism does. It represents that you're now buried with Jesus Christ and that you identify with him, that you belong to him. Yes. That's what it identifies or means. Yes. We must go and do it now. Is there anything that you've said, Lord, I'll do that? At some point, Lord, I I will get up and I'll start praying. Lord, I'll start reading your word. Well, the time is now, people. It's not it's not tomorrow. It's not mañana. It's today. Amen. The Lord is saying, if there's anything else you want to do for me and my kingdom, go and do it now. Don't wait. None of us know if we have tomorrow promised. None of us. Certainly not Monica's brother-in-law and sister in law, they didn't know that was going to be their last day, amen? The fact of our coming death sometimes can make us timid or it can make us bold. See, here's the thing that I see in, in people that are, that are older like me that have gray hair and are older than 39 is that we become more bold. You know why? Because we don't have time to waste anymore. We don't have time to waste. When we were younger, there's some things you wouldn't say. Have you ever had a conversation with your your dad or your mom if they've gotten older you know sometimes they're just blunt Mm -hmm. is that me just me again okay that's that's many of us right or have a conversation with any older person sometimes they're just blunt you know why because they don't got time to waste They're, they're being bold and saying look let's beat around not beat around the bush let's get right down to it this is what it takes this is what you need to do And the Lord wants us to be bold. Amen? Be bold. Everybody say that with me. Be bold. So what do you do while you wait? You be faithful. Be ready. Be bold. The story of Joseph, and we'll have to get into that another time, but the whole time he was imprisoned, he was ready because by faith, he was ready to go to the next step. He, He was faithful and he was bold. 
He was bold. Remember, he told one of the cap, uh, captives that, that left, said, remember me, tell him that I'm still down here and that they, they imprisoned me for, no, for a wrong reason. Tell him, remember, okay? And the guy got out and he forgot all about him, the Bible says, and left them there for a, a couple more years. He had to serve more time in there for something that he never did. Here's the other thing we need to realize as we wait on God. God never hurries. God never hurries. Have you realized that now? God never hurries. You know, the scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, it says the following, With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now you may say, well, is that literal, Pastor Rick? Do you think that um, a thousand years is really like one day to the Lord? Well, all I can tell you is that's what the Word of God says. If that's what the Word of God says, then I'm, I'm going to believe it that way. Amen? That, that for the Lord... One day, our, our 24-hour time that God is not bound by, well, we'd have to go through a thousand years of that to experience really what one day of what the Lord experiences. So when we're saying, Lord, you need to answer this prayer. You need to come through right now. You need to show up right now. We're asking them to do things on our timetable. God never works on our timetable. He's always just in time. Amen? God is always just in time. Amen, Garland? God is always just in time. Amen? Amen. He is from everlasting to everlasting, the Bible says. Unchanging. He's going to come at just the right time. When is the Lord coming back? Is it September 23rd? No, I knew it wasn't going to be September 23rd. Now, could it be today? Absolutely. Uh, when, when somebody picks a day like that, I always think, man, it's going to happen the day before or the day after, right? But it's certainly not going to happen on that day. So I'm all prayed up and everything the day before, the day after. I'm always trying to be prayed up. But what I'm saying is the Lord's going to come when you least expect it. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Time is not a consequence to God like it is to us. You ever, you know, when you're waiting in line at Walmart... In that 15 and under checkout line, and people in front of you got 20 items, and you're because you're counting them, you're going, they got 20 items, and they're waiting in this line. You're killing me because you got places to go, people to see, right? You got a, an agenda, you got to be somewhere, and these people are killing you. Well, for God, God, time is not a consequence to Him. He's in control of every facet of your life. Even when you're waiting at Walmart and you walk out with your shopping basket and you get to your car and there's someone there that needs prayer because there's always someone in Walmart that needs prayer. Amen? And, and on a serious level, there's people all around us that need prayer. Are you looking for that need? Are you looking to, to be a blessing to someone? Amen? God is bigger than the clock. He's never in a hurry. You know, there's this uh, gentleman, A.W. Tozier, wrote many books. Uh, he, be, he belonged to the Assemblies of God denomination. I've read many of his books. He said it this way, God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Amen? God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. See, we all have deadlines. 
My brother has deadlines at work. He's got to get things done because harvest is coming and harvest is already here for him. He had things to do. Uh, my brother-in-law who runs a business, there's deadlines. There's customers expecting this at this time. There's a, there's a time frame, a, a schedule that he's got to adhere to. Some of you at work, there's, there's deadlines you've got you to gotta finish and you've got to follow through on. God has no deadline. He's not in a hurry. He's in control of all of that. Amen? When you think of that, Realize that this is the God that is in control of every aspect of your life. He's in control of every part of you. It's not chaos. He's got everything under control. Just close your eyes right now and just repeat with me. He has everything under control. Amen. He has everything under control. He's never late. He's never behind schedule. Never. Never. So the question again is, what do you do while you wait? We wait on the Lord, the Bible says, because, and I'm going to read that scripture again found in Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, our Redeemer is on the way. The Lord is coming back. That's a promise. What are you going to do in the meantime? Are you going to wait? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be ready? Are you going to be bold in these last days? There's no time to just say tomorrow, I'll do that one of these days. The time is now. If God's ever, ever placed something in your heart, you do it now. Do it now. Don't do it tomorrow. Don't do it next month. Don't wait for next year. You do it now. Amen? So let me ask you one more time. Are you willing to wait upon God? What's your answer this morning? Amen? I don't think I heard you. Are you willing to wait upon God? Yes, I am. Amen, amen.